Podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Hebrews 11, verse 39. All of these, these men, women that he has mentioned, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let us pray. Lord, bless us to understand your word, to believe in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, and how it extends even to our eternal salvation. Bless us that it will strengthen us and encourage us to walk faithfully as we, in a trembling way, give ourselves up to your power and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had uh, talked to you sometime back about our new cat, Oreo, and uh, I want to tell you about his little history back in Starkville, Mississippi, where Mississippi State is, and my son found him in a tree and Chase has always liked animals from the first time he grossed Kay out by showing her a worm. And, of course, when he opened his hand, it was squeezed in several pieces, you know. Um, but it was his pet there for a second. Um, but he's always uh, adored animals. I got that from his dad, probably, doing animal sounds in the middle of the night and that kind of thing when I was changing his diapers. Well, um, this cat, Oreo, when he first came into the apartment, would only, he would just stay under the bed. He wouldn't come out for anything. And uh, scared to death of people, scared of, of course, what's going to happen to me, where is this place? Uh, and so after a while, though, I kind of imagine what he, his thinking was, this cat, because he realized, hey, I get food every time I come out around that guy that lives in this apartment. And then later he, he, he realizes, hey, it, it feels good when he scratches under my neck and strokes the fur on my back. Hey, sleeping on top of the bed sure beats sleeping under the bed. And then, you know, it sure feels nice and warm to snuggle up next to him instead of sleeping on the corner of the bed. So he kind of had to gradually learn uh what it would be to be in relationship to this character that had taken him out of a tree and put him who knows where. And I want to use that analogy uh, to talk about our own, uh, as it were, hiding under the bed away from God. And these three areas that we're get, we'll get to, but we hide under the bed uh, because we will not enjoy his acceptance We will not enjoy his authority in our lives, and we will not enjoy suffering for his sake. So we hide away from God. We hide from his acceptance. We hide from his authority. We hide from suffering in his name. 
thinking as the cat that you're staying safe. You know, in his little mind, this is life to me under the bed, in the dark, away from whatever's going on out there. The classic human stance against God. Just exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. They went under the bed, away from God, hiding from God, not believing anymore in the goodness of God, not regarding anymore the wisdom and authority of God, and striking out on their own to try to find satisfaction. Now, How does that relate at all to this passage? Well, when he says here that they did not receive what is promised, he ties that receiving, he ties that fulfillment to this last phrase that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's a little bit weird uh, verse here. What, What does he mean that they look to what was promised, but... For our sake, notice in the second part, in verse 40, God had provided something better for us. So there's a provision for us, a a kind of honor and a privilege for us, that there would be no way for them to be made perfect except along with us, as we are made perfect. But what does that mean, to be made perfect? So we're going to have to back up a little bit into uh, Hebrews to see the backdrop for this. Now, the backdrop is that in the Old Testament, nothing made you perfect. You see this in passages like chapter seven, verse 19. The law made nothing perfect. Or later in chapter nine, verse nine, according to this arrangement, that is the sacrifices Gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. And later in chapter 10, verse 1, since the law is but a shadow of the good things to come, the good things in Christ, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So, This was what he had talked about in terms of the Old Testament sacrifices. They pointed to a future that they weren't experiencing. They were not perfected in the sense that they were not perfected in their relationship with God. Perfected in terms of a relationship with God. That could only be provisional in the Old Testament. Because we had to do then with sacrifices of animals and these animal sacrifices were pointing to the true sacrifice that really would take away sin, that really would bring us into the presence of God, that really would make us acceptable in God's presence. And that is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So because they were provisional, they kept repeating day after day. Sacrifice morning, sacrifice evening. Next day, sacrifice morning, sacrifice evening. Next day, sacrifice morning, sacrifice evening. And then every year, the, the Day of Atonement. There was never a year where you missed the Day of Atonement because it's not done yet. It's not done yet. So there was a proclamation in the repetition of the sacrifices that told them you are not made perfect yet. So this is part of what the writer of Hebrews is saying here at the end of chapter 11. 
apart from us, that is, apart from the Lord Jesus and our participation in the Lord Jesus and our forgiveness in the Lord Jesus, they were not going to be made perfect. Their perfection coincides with ours in the Lord Jesus. And so right after chapter nine, uh, verse nine, if you can turn there with me, uh, as he talks about verse nine, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. They deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But. Here's the turning point. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not one made with hands, that is the tent on earth, the tabernacle, not of this creation, through the heavenly one, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing An eternal redemption for if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh. How much more key verse, verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so later in chapter 10, again, verse 14, by a single offering, he has perfected all of those for all time who are being sanctified. So here's this message that's that has already occurred in Hebrews. There was no perfection, but now he has perfected us. Now, we know we are not perfected literally. That we sin every day, we struggle, we're growing in our uh, holiness and likeness to Jesus Christ. But what he means is that we have been perfected in our relationship with God. Especially as he talks about we have a a purified conscience, purified conscience to serve and worship the living God. We can't be exhilarated. We can't serve him unless our conscience is clean. The conscience is that which is directed toward God. It embraces all of our person in relationship to God. And in this context, you might say it's that uneasy conscience that we have. The uneasy conscience with this eternal witness that verifies for us, even your heart and your mind has been defiled by sin. That's what your conscience tells you. That's what every one of us knows, that my darkness goes deeper than anybody else knows. And it's that sense of having your conscience cleansed, not cleansed in the sense that you know now you never do anything wrong, you never have an evil thought. But having your conscience cleansed so that you are convinced the sin that I've had in my life and even that may recur in my life is no barrier to my fellowship with God. That's the perfected work of Jesus Christ that brings you into the presence of God so that literally you are coming out from under the bed 
to enjoy all the gracious kindness that God will shower upon your life in Jesus Christ. How can you be exhilarated? How can you enjoy him? How can you even worship him unless your conscience is cleansed in this way? If you fear rejection and judgment, if your relationship with God consists of constantly downplaying what you know is wrong with your life, avoiding hard questions about your own sinfulness, making excuses, not facing relational problems that you know you are helping to create, but you can't because you, you can't feel that God would forgive you. You don't know the forgiveness of God regularly and consistently so that within that forgiveness, within that acceptance, you're finding grace and strength and love to deal even with your own sin. To, ch- to constantly change your life toward other people and toward God himself. So this is what has happened in Christ Jesus. And so we are brought out of the bed in the first place to begin to embrace this acceptance. Now, if you were in the White House on tour, you'd get to certain places in the White House and you'd find this is a restricted area. And you might be, well, yeah, well, is the president in there? Well, no, he's not. Well, no, you can't even go in there with the president's not there. It's his private quarters. And no, just regular civilian is going into this restricted area. The amazing thing about the holy place of God is he is there and it's not restricted. It's not restricted. Unrestricted access to a holy God. There's no angel standing there saying, sorry, ma'am, this is a restricted area. You're not really yet obedient enough to come in there. You need to go back, work on a few things. Here's a list. Check back with me in two weeks. That's not the message. The message is whatever your condition, whatever your sin, whatever has been the darkness of your heart, you can have a clean conscience in Christ Jesus. Because it's not any part of your righteousness that makes you acceptable to God. You can't fix your life enough to be acceptable to God. In this life, of course, we're never perfect. Our acceptance is only because we have been joined to Christ. And so everything revolves around. That's why the whole history of these sacrifices were pointing to the exclusive, unique sacrifice of a righteous man who never sinned, who made a perfect offering to the father. And now the father holds it out and says, you can come to me freely on the basis of my son and what he's accomplished for sinners. And so we hide under the bed, uh, depending on our failing human righteousness, when we need to embrace the free, glorious righteousness of Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, are you on a performance basis with God where after a couple of good days, you feel like I'm sure he likes me now? And after a couple of bad days, no way I could approach him. Then you're on a performance basis with God. Nobody ever is accepted on that basis. Now, it's not that it's not important to obey God. It's not important to continue to conform our ways, as we'll talk about. 
But our acceptance is based upon this unique sacrifice of Jesus Christ who purifies our conscience. And even the words are used there in chapter 10, verse 14, by a single offering, he's perfected for all time. And that's why the writer can say, apart from us and our joint experience of Jesus Christ, they could never be perfected. They could only look forward to that time in which they were perfected. And, of course, looking forward to that in Christ, they are perfected. But talking about this under the bed thing, I want to underscore this as well, that we hide under the bed not only in not being uh, coming and enjoying his acceptance, but not trusting in his authority as well. Afraid to obey, in a sense, uh, afraid to give ourselves to his will, afraid to give up our self-protection or our claim to our own rights, our own agenda, our own formula for happiness. Afraid that real sacrificial love of the kind that Jesus exhibited will not give us real satisfaction and excitement in life. You're afraid that if you give up yourself to love your wife or your husband the way he or she really needs to be, then you'll lose yourself. You'll lose in life. You'll lose in fulfillment. And, of course, we need to ask the question, if Jesus thought that way about us, he never would have gone to the cross. If I think only of their good, what they need at this terrible cost of suffering the wrath of my father, I'll lose everything. But we read there in chapter 12 of Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He finds infinite joy in his infinite love, and we find the greatest human joy in the greatest human love. And you and I are uh, really born committed to me. It's like uh, the comic Calvin and Hobbes. Most of you are familiar, a little six-year-old boy, he has a tiger, stuffed tiger Hobbs, that comes alive when nobody else is around. So they interact. So in this particular comic, Calvin is seated at a little box, and it's got a sign on it that says, Happiness, ten cents. So Hobbs, the tiger, walks up, and he's got an eager smile. Uh, Calvin is the, business, the eager businessman with his hands folded in front of him, waiting to make some money. So Hobbes walks up, eager, and he says, what do I get for my ten cents? And Calvin says, a water balloon right in the kisser. And Hobbes says, thoughtfully, whose happiness are we talking about? (laughs) And Calvin says, who went to all this trouble? (laughs) And I think that's a great statement. Of what we tend to do. We hang out our sign with one another. Happiness, ten cents. And what we really are out to do is we're not talking about your happiness. We're talking about my happiness. You're supposed to understand that. (laughs) You're supposed to understand that you're here to make me happy. Not for me to make you happy. Not for me to serve and sacrifice for you. Why would that do me any good? If you can't make me happy, if you can't contribute to my agenda, then, hey, I've got no use for you. Sooner or later, it's amazing how we decide between people on that basis. 
You see, interestingly, this is just a hiding under the bed from loving people. It's a hiding under the bed from God himself. And you never and I must never, ever fail to realize in as much as I am turning away from the difficulty of loving someone else, I'm refusing to come out from under the bed and put myself at God's disposal. I'm running scared. I'm holding on to what I got, even though it's dark, it's got dirt all over it, it smells bad. And I can't see, but at least it's me. At least it's me. It's a hiding under the bed, you see, from the Christ who gave himself for us and calls us to give ourselves to others. And if we give ourselves to him and to them, then we find ourselves. Then we enter more and more into the pleasures of Christ, the active enjoyment of Christ. And I give Oreo as the example. (laughs) He came out and he found out what fellowship with this guy is. And in our own way, Jesus shows us as we sacrifice our lives what real fellowship with him can be. And we can't even imagine. We can't even imagine the delights that await us in sacrificial love. And what a great analogy for how we reject God so many times. Imagine a cat that continues starving and howling under the bed. And you lift up the cover to look at him. He just spits at you. Great analogy for how we fundamentally reject God. There he is. Come and eat. Come and be loved. Come and be cared for. Come and let me use all of my resources to restore you. And yet we're staying under the bed. So don't hide from God's love to you. And here's what I mean. His love to you in his calling you to live a life of sacrificial love. That's a calling of love to you. See, (laughs) you get what I'm saying? It's not just that it's a call for you to love others. It's a call of love to you because that is your life he's calling you into. It's real life he's calling you into. And it is hard. It is absolutely hard. Putting in a new flower bed in your yard is hard. Yeah. Discipline over the years that's made Mark Appling, for instance, play the guitar as beautifully as he uh, some of us heard at his senior recital a few weeks ago. That was hard. But look at the results of submitting yourself to God's discipline. There's a beauty that he desires to bring forth from our lives to experience and manifest that love. And I'm saying don't hold back in fear or pride or self-pity or self-protection. Lavishly spend yourself believing, as in verse 6 of this chapter 11, he is the rewarder of those that seek him. That's the essence of faith. It's the essence of coming out of the bed is saying, I believe he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And I had to recall to you these words from John. When Jesus says about his own death, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Speaking of his death and resurrection. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, uh, loves his life, loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
And then just to mention, don't hide under the bed from the world's rejection, from suffering. Fellowship with God means exposure to the world's rejection in some degree or another. You can't walk with the God that the world rejects without experiencing some of that rejection, possibly a lot of that rejection. We hide from that rejection by maybe compromising our faith, staying away from real ministry to people, refusing to share our faith with people many different ways. But remember, it is not just hiding from people's rejection. It is hiding from God and his rich blessings. Why do you think he in love to you that he calls you to engage the world in love to you? He calls you in love to me. He calls us into this. That we might taste him, that we might know him. And especially in this area of suffering or the area of commitment to obedience, it's not that what we need to do is just commit ourselves, pull ourselves together. Let's say I'm going to follow God. Nobody's going to turn me away from following him from now on. Reminds me of a fellow that Kay and I met years ago when she used to sell uh, pottery from Mexico, this uh, brightly colored Talavera pottery. And at this particular show, this guy was a he had a cooking booth and this was a kind of Christmas show and lots of people, you know, lots of booths and et cetera. So he uh, had a cooking booth and he was in touch with his artistic side, let's say. OK, he's a guy that liked beauty and everything. Not just he was fine. I'm a lot that way myself. OK, but rather large guy. Uh, but. He had gotten into some trouble at the show because he had bid on some of the secret auction items and found out that you, as a measly person showing stuff, are not supposed to do that. It's for the people who've paid to come in. Well, he had a few words to say for the junior league ladies that were running the show. And and apparently he was forceful enough that he made some of them cry a little bit. So he was walking in the parking lot carrying some of his utensils. And three of these guys met him in the parking lot. And they started having some words about what you said to my wife, etc. And he was defending himself, saying, oh, I didn't say anything. I was just. And finally, in classic words that just, you know, would strike fear into any man's heart. Don't make me put down this crock pot. <laughs> basic thing you hear at any bar at night you know don't make me put down my crock pot and I want to suggest to you that when you and I say that I'm going to pull it together and I'm going to then it comes across to Satan like don't make me put down my crock pot he doesn't care. He doesn't care what human strength you bring to the table because it's nothing. It's pointless. It's worthless. He doesn't need your strength. I mean, he doesn't tremble at your strength. And the words of Scripture come to us. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Or Jesus, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. He said to his disciples that night they didn't. And of course, when Jesus was taken, they fled the scene. And Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. In Philippians 2, we're told 
in fear and trembling work out your salvation or your growth in fear and trembling. Or we read in Isaiah 66, I dwell in a high and holy place and also with those of a broken and contrite heart who tremble at my word. And I want to suggest to you in the vernacular, he ain't trembling unless you're trembling. He's not trembling unless you're trembling, trembling before the awesome power of God, trembling before the grace and love of Jesus Christ, trembling at your own weakness and giving yourself up to God. And in that context, saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. You come out from under the bed and you embrace his acceptance and you embrace his authority and commands to you and you embrace even suffering. Because he is your lover. He's proved it. Nothing will make you come out from under the bed as the cross of Jesus Christ that we're about to celebrate. If that won't draw you out from under, if that won't draw you to say, if he would die, if he would bear punishment for me, I'm coming to give myself to him. May God grant that we will enjoy and live out the perfection that Jesus has given us in the holy presence of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we praise you and honor you that you have given the Lord Jesus for our salvation, that he has fully borne punishment for our sake, and that the way is open to us to come into your presence, even as this writer says, We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. O Lord, may we hold fast this confession Because he who promised is faithful. Bless us even now as we come to partake of this table which proclaims this precious work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Fears away and shout.